my name's Anthony. I'm a covenant member here at The Well and get to serve on the prayer team. Um, yeah, come on. Um, and then also we'll be jumping into the Goer missional community here this upcoming month. So, yeah, yeah. So uh, today we're going to be reading 1 Kings 12, 1 through 14. So I'll give you a second to flip to it in 14 verses. So stay with me. All right. So uh, Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had come to Shechem to make his king. And as soon as Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, heard of, of it, for he was still in Egypt, where he had fled from King Solomon, then Jeroboam returned from Egypt. And they sent and called him Jeroboam, and all the assembly of Israel came and said to Rehoboam, your father make our yoke heavy. Now therefore lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke on us, and we will serve you. He said to them, go away for three days, then come again to me. So the people went away. Then King Rehoboam took counsel with the old men who had stood before Solomon, his father, while he was still alive, saying, how do you advise me to answer these people? And they said to him, if you will be a servant to this people today and serve them and speak good words to them where you answer them, then they will be your servants forever. But he abandoned the counsel that the old men gave him. It took counsel with the young men who had grown up with him and stood before him. And he said to them, what do you advise that we answer this people who had said to me, lighten the yoke that your father put on us. And the young men who had grown up with him said to him, thus shall you speak to this people who said to you, your father made our yoke heavy, but you lighten it for us. Thus shall you say to them, my little finger is thicker than my father's thighs. And now where's my father laid on you a heavy yoke? I will add to your yoke, my father discipline you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day, as the king said, come to me again the third day. And the king answered to the people harshly and forsaking the counsel that the old man had given him. He spoke to them according to the counsel of the young men, saying, my father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. This is the word of the Lord. All right, how are we, y'all? Good, good. Uh, first gathering, uh, before we begin, I have a little bit of beef with y'all that we need to talk about, all right? Uh, two weeks ago, my water was falling off, and ain't no one want to tell me that. I thought we was cool. Like, this mug was hanging on for dear life, all right? Uh, I saw the Instagram videos, and I was like, for real? Like, ain't nobody want to, like, come help a brother out? So, uh, yeah, we see, we see how we are. I, I thought nobody wanted to say amen. It's just y'all were focused on the water bottle the whole time. So, uh, it, it is set straight today, all right? Uh, hey, we're in our last week on living in community. Uh, and today, we look at a section of scripture that most people don't make it to in their Bible and a year plans. Uh, in this section, uh, that we're not going to cover all of it today, okay, I want to set up what was happening here. Uh, there's political game, gamesmanship, uh, there's a stoning, there is cow worship, there are good preachers and lying preachers, uh, there's manipulation, deception, some stupidity, uh, there's some fear and some faith, uh, there's a withered hand, there's a supernaturally destroyed altar, there's the death of a child, and a lion mauls a man to death all within three chapters, all right? And so this sounds a little bit more like a Game of Thrones episode than it does a Bible passage. Uh, now you may think, hey, what does all of that have to do with community? And ironically, everything, actually. Uh, all of this chaos that I just mentioned happens because of the lack of godly community. 
Uh, the story begins here in the section that we just read where it doesn't seem all of that interesting, but what happens is all of this unfolding takes place because of the lack of good community. And so today the sermon title is Community Accepts Counsel because that's really what uh, one of the most important things about community is, is that we actually embrace godly counsel around us. All of the chaos that we mentioned, it happens simply because godly counsel was rejected, uh, and giving and receiving godly counsel is such an important part to biblical community. And all the chaos mentioned, the same sort of physical and emotional and spiritual chaos will take place in your life when you reject godly counsel as well. And so you may not be mauled by a lion walking down Lamar, uh, but you better believe there's a spiritual lion walking down your life, and when you reject godly counsel, you may be consumed by it. It's important that we listen to those around us. And so Rehoboam, he's the son of Solomon. That's really important for us in the story today. Uh, David, the flawed but godly king, he passes down his kingship to Solomon. And then Solomon was a king who began in really beautiful ways but descended and ended up shipwrecking his faith. And Solomon then hands the kingdom down to Rehoboam. And so Solomon just died, and we pick it up in verse 1, where the people, they come to begin to commemorate or, or appoint uh, Rehoboam to be the new king. And so the nation, they come, I think there's a slide up there for me, throw it up there for me. Uh, and they have a little bit of a request for him, right? As they're sitting here appointing him to be the king, they say, hey, look. Solomon made our life hard, Joe, right? Like, like we were slaving away, building palaces and, and building houses and, and going to war for his people. And, and we ain't really tripping. We're just saying, hey, help us out a little bit. Like it was hard to be under the kingdom of Solomon. And they're not really tripping either. Just to give you a little bit of a perspective, in 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 7, here's what it says of Solomon. It says Solomon had 12 officers over all Israel who provided food for the king and his household. Each man had to make provision for one month in the year. Now you fast forward down, what does that provision look like? Well, in verse 22, it tells us, it says that Solomon's provision for one day, okay, was 30 cores of fine flour and 60 cores of meal, 10 fat oxen and 20 pasture-fed cattle and 100 sheep, besides the deer and gazelles and roebucks and fattened fowl. So this wasn't just the building or all of the war fighting. Uh, even the food provision for Solomon was taxing. Because none of us are familiar with the Hebrew metric system, uh, the translation of this is each day they would have to bring 260 pounds of fine flour like, what type of bread his household was eating, y'all? It's like that Cheesecake Factory bread and the Texas Roadhouse rolls. That's what they're making every day, right? They had 520 pounds of meal, them ox, sheep. Look, they didn't just bring normal cow. It said they brought pasture-fed cow, okay? And so them were organic cows in this mug. Like, Solomon was hipster before that was even a thing, and he was bougie, right? And so to take care of his household, it actually cost $342,669 a day, minus the other stuff mentioned. And yes, I did that math this week during sermon prep time, okay? Um, I had to ask Jacob Brown how much a little sheepy sheep sold for, right? But he hooked me up. Y'all know there's a whole cow trading system? It's kind of like StockX, but for cattle, all right? It's like Betty the breeder, she had a calf, what do you want, okay? 
Anyway, so Solomon, he was prosperous, all right? And here he was, like, taxing all of Israel. So although prosperous, he was also expensive. And so the people asked for some relief. And so he goes and gets counsel. Now, the older men there in verse 7 are like, hey, brother, listen, if you are kind to the people this day, then they will serve you forever, which is actually what you would desire as a king. Now, this is a quick but a really important point, is that Solomon was the wisest human on earth, the Bible tells us, and yet even Solomon had wisdom around him. Verse 6 shows us, which means these dudes given counsel must have been wise, because to give counsel to the wisest person on earth means you have some wisdom yourself as well. And Rehoboam is Solomon's son. So Rehoboam knew that Solomon was wise. So how much more foolish is it to reject this counsel that is being given here? All throughout the Proverbs, Solomon talks about the importance of counsel and of giving and receiving counsel. And apparently Solomon was wise enough to take his own advice and to have counsel around him. And so if Solomon, the wisest person on earth, had godly counsel, around him, then who are you and I to think that we can just reject Christian counsel around us or to not have it in our life in the first place? Note the contrast here between the older and the younger generation as well. Now, I will say just because someone is older, that does not automatically equate wisdom. They could have taken the counsel that was given to them throughout their life and spurred that counsel and therefore be more foolish than the younger people around them. However, with the more age, there is an ability to grow in more wisdom, which is why this is part of the diversity that we should value as a church, the generational diversity as well. It's not enough just to have it socioeconomically or ethnically, but as you insert generational diversity, then there is natural experience that should equate to wisdom that comes with that. And so just as an encouragement, like if you are older in this young congregation, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Like thank you for being here, amen, amen. Uh, We need your wisdom, we need your guidance, don't be afraid to give it, family. Uh, And for those of you who are younger, you need to learn to take that wisdom as well. And this goes not just for physical age, by the way, but spiritual age as well, okay? If you have been in the faith for two years, you probably do not know as much as you think you do. Actually, no, you do not know as much as you think you do, okay? No probably there. And so seeking wisdom is important. So Rehoboam has the wisest uh, man that ever lived counsel before him, and he rejects this, maybe making him the most foolish man that has ever lived. And he takes the advice of his boys, right? Those who he grew up with, which, man, that's a word in and of itself, (laughs) y'all. I used to take the counsel of my boys, right, my dogs, my homies, and uh, that counsel was always tomfoolery, all right? Uh, I'm also confident I've never said that phrase in the sermon because I've never used that phrase in real life. I don't know where that came from, all right? Uh, But this gets to one of the major points in this sermon, and really what I want us to walk away with in some ways, and that's that if we're going to have healthy, godly, growing, a beautiful, authentic community, then we have to be a people who learn to value godly counsel, who desire to give godly counsel, who know how to seek godly counsel, and how to heed godly counsel if we are going to finish this Christian race well. Yes, that's a very long statement, but important. 
And it's long because community is complex, and so there's a lot of elements, even just to giving and receiving counsel, but really heeding all of that is very important. Because often the only counsel that you and I seek is the counsel of our own heart. And so we kind of take what the current culture gives us about following our heart and we begin to apply that wisdom, not realizing that this is foolishness to apply this, y'all. In fact, Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9 would tell us that. It says that the heart is deceitful above and desperately sick, right, above all things. Who can understand it? Like, who is it that can actually understand the heart? Your heart is more sick and tricky than you are wise and godly. And so to listen to your own counsel only is you running headlong into spiritual ruin, family. We need counsel around us, which is why you should be confessing even the temptations of your own heart and not be submitted to your own plans only. Your heart is sick, family. And it's important to have godly counsel around us because of what that very verse says. We can't even really fully trust ourselves. And so if you're someone who kind of thinks that you are always right and therefore do not need the wisdom of others, you are probably often partially right, which means you're probably often always wrong. Because Satan himself is partially right often and I don't think that's somebody we wanna be associated with. It's important that we know that we need the wisdom and the counsel of others. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 says, do not be deceived, right? This is one of the only times in scripture where it tells you a command before giving you what to do. It says, hey, don't be foolish, family. Bad company ruins good morals. And so it's important that we keep godly counsel around us, not just our boys like Rehoboam. So bad counsel, sort of like isolation that we talked about a few weeks ago, can lead to the spiritual unraveling, and that is the opposite of fighting for godly Christian community. You see, most of us, we really only like listening to counsel that we kind of already agree with, right? And so then we end up listening to that counsel only, and we kind of put people around us that will say things that we like to hear, therefore really never listening to counsel, just listening to extensions of ourselves, And there's foolishness in that, meaning you are often journeying down the path of a ravenous lion and no one is telling you, and then you end up getting mauled by that lion, then getting mad at God when that lion mauls you as if he didn't put godly community around you to save you from that, family. Like we need to listen to the community around us that he has graciously put in our path. And so some of y'all be meeting with Huli, asking her for counsel. You hear that laugh? I knew it was coming too. I didn't even look at her. I knew she was it, right? She gives it, okay, and then you don't wanna do it, and then you go listen to someone who tells you something nice, and then you're mad at the church because your faith is shipwrecked. Hello, all right? I ain't talking to no one in particular either, so don't be emailing me. But if them size 13s fit, you know what I'm saying, all right? What I'm saying is, don't do that, family, right? Don't do that, y'all. Like, it leads to our destruction and our division. And it's so easy to do this, family, is it not? Like, none of us are gonna walk out of here today and be like, yeah, I'm gonna reject godly counsel. Like, nobody's gonna say that, but it's often the disposition of our hearts if we're not careful and if we don't check our hearts in that, y'all. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've wanted to do something that I feel like I shouldn't do, and then I know that I should ask people around me 
but I don't wanna ask because I kind of deep down know I probably shouldn't be responding to somebody in this way and I may go ask one person who I think maybe will agree with me, right? And all of a sudden, I'm more like Rehoboam than I am like Christ, family. And Rehoboam is not the person we're trying to be transformed into. And then I wonder why the consequences that I'm eating from is so often the meal that's before me. I'm the one that's making my own plate, y'all. I'm not listening to the console around me. Like, like, listen, the amount of times that I go to the elders and they're like, nah, playboy. <laughs> All right? It saved our church, y'all, straight up, straight up. Okay, contrarily, contrarily, the amount of times that I go to the elders and then they affirm a direction that I'm unsure of, it often gives me the confidence to move in a sort of way that I didn't have before I went before them. So it's not just about not doing bad things. Sometimes you need counsel to encourage you in the path the Lord has for you as well, y'all. And so we need counsel around us. Like, like practical example, okay, just, just really quick for us. Uh, I thought about six months ago as I was just sitting down praying one day, wait a minute, are we better as a mobile church, right? And I've already said this publicly, so that's why I'm kind of rebringing it back up. But it's like, man, should we like be looking for a building or does God have something different for us? And every single one of the elders, all the staff team members, my very godly wife, we're all like, you know what? Maybe, at least in this season, maybe we're better as a mobile church. Maybe mission goes forward faster. Maybe there's a better sense of community. Maybe we fight for each other all the more. Maybe the grit that made the well the well kind of maintains. And just as a little bit of a quick update on that, by the way, Way, okay, on the potential move to East Side, if you were here. A little bit of speed bumps with things that have been happening in our church recently, but we're still moving forward. And there's been some really cool things happening where we might get a really awesome deal moving into that school. By awesome deal, I mean like a really long contract and getting to like install stuff and kind of making that place ours in some way, y'all. And so super, super awesome. Y'all can keep praying for that. More updates at the business meeting, hint, hint, okay? Um, listen, seeking godly counsel, though, on that topic, it gave me the affirmation that I needed. Or I think about another recent topic. I thought about, hey, should we hire Travis DeLuna, our new church planter? And the decision was kind of in my hands, but I wanted to make uh, sure and ask a lot of counsel around me. You know, we just planted, there's a lot of movement in our church. We knew we may be moving again. And quite literally, every single staff team member, uh, Juhan, who helped with the interview process, all of the elders, they all said, yes, we should, making this a really, really easy decision, which I wanted to hire you too, dog, all right? <laughs> it wasn't just everybody, I wanted to too, all right? I'm just saying. Right? On a flip example, I didn't ask anybody if I should be investing in crypto. <laughs> and I'm mad. <laughs> like, Lord, why would you have me invest? He's like, that's your allowance player. You should have asked, right? I'm holding out, though. Matt Damon tricked everyone on those cool commercials, like on Interstellar. All right, but I'm holding out, y'all, okay? It might come back. Uh, godly wisdom is important, is what I'm saying, okay? So ask, ask somebody, right? Like, should I be dating this person? That would be wise to ask. Yeah? <laughs> Song of Solomon, the book about relationships. It has him, it has her, and then it has others involved as well. Why? Because others are important. Even in our romantic relationship, godly counsel, it matters, y'all. 
Or should I buy this house? Or should I take this job? Or should I move away from this city, although I'm moving away from the community that God has placed in my life? Should I try to reconcile this relationship? Should I take this Christian liberty? Should I post this on my social media account? Hello. Right? I'm not saying that we have to ask everybody about every decision. Don't get me wrong. That's not what I'm saying at all. Or that you have to listen to everyone just because they profess profess faith in Christ. Like you may be around some fools, you may not wanna listen to them, y'all, okay? However, we'd be fooling ourselves to not think that often our own advice is just justified foolishness. And so we need to be listening to others around us as well. So Rehoboam, he does none of what we just talked about, right? And he takes the counsel of his boys, this worldly counsel, this foolish counsel, this non-Christian counsel in some ways. And then he tells them that his pinky is thicker than his father's thigh. Dog. That's like a strong Hebrew insult, right? Uh, And ironically, y'all, he could have really easily listened to the counsel of the older men because everything was already built. There wasn't a whole lot left to do. Like Solomon conquered all the uh, kingdom, or David conquered all the foreign kingdoms around them, and then Solomon built up everything. There wasn't a whole lot left to do. Rehoboam just wanted power, and he didn't even know what to do with that power once he got it, which is interesting because that's often how oppressive people act today, too. And so, real quick, okay, what I'm saying there is, just because someone is a leader does not mean you have to listen to them, right? Like, this is a king, and although a king and under the banner of God, he is personally living in wickedness, therefore bringing the opposite of the kingdom of God, this king is bringing forth death. And so, just because someone has position, family, does not mean that they have wisdom, You need to take the wisdom that is being given and line it up with the word of God and scripture and other godly counsel to make sure it's actually coming from God and not some self-vested interest in power. That's a word for somebody, y'all. Okay, so listen, easy application for the sermon for us today is be in community. All right, that's a whole series, right? Like, like, don't just be around one person, but use counsel to receive from others so that through the deceitfulness of your own heart, you won't end up Rehoboaming your life, y'all. Like, we'd like to think that we're a lot better than this king that was mentioned, but deep down in all of us, there is darkness, and we need other guiding hands to keep us on the path of light, family. We need the people around us. And so, Rehoboam, he rejects this council, and this leads to this divided nation. Literally, this is where Israel gets divided between the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was Israel, the southern kingdom was Judah, and Israel ended up turning into the Samaritans, and Judah ended up turning into the Jews. And so this actually had ramifications, not just in Rehoboam's life, but it actually began to mess up everything around him as well. And so points being bad community or the lack of listening to godly counsel may not just lead to your own personal downfall, but also the destruction of kingdoms and peoples around you, family. 
So it's not just a personal thing anymore. All of a sudden it becomes a corporate thing. It can lead to the downfall of your family or the downfall of your career or the downfall of our church because of a lack of listening to who God has placed around you. What we do with counsel, it really matters, y'all. It really matters. Uh, Once again, I think about my own life, even right now, for the past, I don't know, probably two years, probably longer than that, but I've only been listening for two years. Multiple people around me have encouraged me that I should consider doing some counseling. And originally I was like, counseling? Yeah, right, okay? And I would make up random excuses, like, I don't really have time, okay? I'd make up excuses like, man, black people don't do counseling. And then Jackie Hill Perry was making bank off of that Jesus and therapy hoodie, and I was like, all right, can't use that, right? And I said, okay, well, once I get this done, then maybe I will. And and I don't know why I was doing that. It wasn't like I was scared. It wasn't like I was ashamed. I I don't even know who knows their own hearts, Jeremiah 17, 9. I couldn't even really tell you why I was rejecting that, but then everything went down that went down in our church a few weeks ago, and all of a sudden I was unable to reconcile and to wrestle with all of my own emotions, like this forgiveness or grace or mercy or justice or anger or hurt or mission and vision or compassion or reconciliation or or reparation and, and all these things things were swirling around and multiple people again were like, dog, you probably need to do some counseling. Pastors who have been there before and who have been through this before, teammates, friends, everyone was like, go to counseling. So I'm like, all right, dang, go. I'll pray about it, all right? (laughs) So I'm praying about it. I'm just kidding. I called this week, all right? (laughs) It's like that. Look, y'all want to talk in the sermon, but now I'm like, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That is an amen, amen, that is good, all right? Um, Which, honestly, it brings me to something really important here, y'all, that I actually wanna insert for our church in this sermon during this time. Um, Everything that we talked about in this series, what we're doing is we're painting this idealized version of community. Uh, These covenant friendships, right? proverbial wisdom, uh, the idea of confession or intimacy, the idea of community being like salvation from God himself, like balm to our souls. All of these things are this idealized truth. This is what community should look like. Uh, But it's hard to believe those truths when the effects of the fall or of sin kind of tamper with our community. Like these truths, they may seem and sound good and true, but they're often hard to believe because of hurt or because of confusion or because of loneliness or because of bad leaders or because of betrayal or because of our upbringing or because of all of these other factors that begin to insert themselves into this godly community. It's really hard to live in this sometimes, family. It's hard to believe that they are as valuable as the scriptures would say that they are. And I get it. Like, it it is hard at times. It's hard to believe the ideal. But just because it's hard to believe the ideal does not mean that the ideal is not true. Just because it's hard to believe the idealized version that the word of God paints of community does not mean the word of God is lying. It just means that there's lies in the world around us and we need to learn to look through those and believe the word of God despite what our situation and circumstances may be telling us. 
This will always be true in our life, family. We need to fight for these things. And so I think this is where the idea of, uh, of really kind of a reconsecration needs to come up within our church family in this very season. And if you've been at the well for a while, then you know, and if you're new, man, welcome into community. This is what we desire to fight for. But we need to, I believe, really try to reconcile or really in some ways re-consecrate as a church. That word consecrate, it means to make sacred or special or to be set apart. And so we need to re-consecrate, to make holy again our church family and our community, not just today in this season, but continually, family of God. Like this needs to always be something that we think through to say again and again and again in our lives, yes, I was hurt, and yes, sin may have tried to bring ruin, but rather than going to isolate and to not get us to experience the ideal, we need to re-consecrate and try to fight for the ideal again, family. This will forever be true in our lives. We need to always begin to uh, uh, really trust the scriptures over our experience, where we trust our God even over the sins of others, and we need to reconsecrate to each other again and again and again. You see, uh, like forgive 70 times seven, right? There's a reason why Jesus gave this absurd number. Who has wronged you 490 times? Like, Man, I mean, for real, maybe your upbringing, origin, that's about it. Like, Jesus is being extreme here, y'all. And what he's saying is, look, I want you to refight again. And as you go throughout life, you're going to experience other people's sin in your life. And you're going to need to choose to believe the word of God, that community is necessary, and reconsecrate yourselves to community again. Uh, in irony, we're doing covenant renewal right now, which for our covenant members, like, let this not just be a piece of paper that you kind of randomly sign. Like, let it be a reconsecrating effort. Let it be something that we're going to do our best as a covenant to community to set up a tiny piece of heaven here on earth as it will be one day, and that we're going to continue to fight for that. Listen, I, I told y'all, or... Uh, I think I told y'all, I know I told at least the CG Shepherds that the Lord, I feel like, made really clear to me that this year was going to be a year of replanting the well. Uh, that's what this whole year would be. We'd be replanting the well in some ways. And now I'm like, oh, oh, coming at the end of this community series, okay, like re-consecrate and, and recommit and re-fight for a community, like when it's hard or, or when it is broken, like fighting towards the ideal, beginning to uh, make the well the well again, and not like we lost it, but it's like, no, 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 let's continue to put fertilizer on this soil and see the fruits of community grow, like knowing that there's gonna be speed bumps along the way, and then as we hit those speed bumps, it can mess up our alignment, but to not allow that to detour us away from the mission that God has given us, y'all. We need to fight again, and many of you are likely in this church to consecrate us even in this season, like many of you are here to make this place beautiful again and to fight for each other again, in some ways even more holy, and in some ways even more pure. And as we reconsecrate and replant, what happens is that this place begins to be a realm that the broken experience unbelievable healing. Not just the broken, but like you and I, the broken, 
right? The people who need healing begin to experience that as we set ourselves apart and work towards the ideal that scripture has. And not just us inside the walls, but those outside of the walls can find family as we begin to fight for that as well. And then broken people are received or broken people are re-received. They're received again and forgiven, meaning even offenders in your circles can be healed by the power of the gospel and find that the kingdom of God truly does bring life. But that takes our effort, that takes our intentionality, that takes us fighting towards the uh, uh, ideal. And what we do when we do that is that where Satan kind of thinks that he begins to take ground on what God is doing in our life, then we take that ground back ferociously, family, yet clothed with the humility of Christ. And not only do we take that ground back, but we actually take more and we keep pushing back darkness, y'all. Like when we consecrate and when, we, when we're intentional about this, that's what begins to happen. And so these ideals that we're painting over the past few weeks, I wanna say even if we're not living in them today, it doesn't mean that they can't be received as long as we keep fighting for them, exhausted yet pursuing. Because here's the interesting thing about this text, beloved family, is that even in Rehoboam's folly, And even in his brokenness, the Lord is very clearly at hand. Verses 15 and verse 24, you see over and over and over again, the word of the Lord. What are we seeing here? We're seeing that God is trying to to move despite the sin of people around him. That God is still trying to move despite the brokenness around. In fact, in verses 16 through 20, there are all these David references, right? There's all of these ideals of David. And and why do we see all of those? The the house of David or the son of Jesse or, or all of these references to David two generations removed. Well, it's because the promises of God actually came through David, And what you're seeing here is that through Rehoboam's folly, it almost looks like the promises of God may be lost because of the sin of man. And yet, praise God that the promises of God never rest on man's shoulders, but on his. You see, man's sins will never thwart the promises of God. If it were up to humanity, all the promises of God would be lost. And yet, the good thing is, is that God is moving despite human efforts often. You see, this passage is ultimately a passage that is pointing us towards Jesus, our true and our better king, upon whom all of the promises of God rest. All the promises of God find their yes and their amen. Jesus You see, Jesus was the better king. When the people cried to Jesus that their load was too heavy, Jesus removed it from them. In fact, in one famous passage in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is the exact opposite of Rehoboam, right? Like, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. While other kings threatened and forced with heavy loads, what Jesus does is he comes in and he offers us rest. And yet, how is he able to offer that rest? Well, it's because he paid the price that you and I should have paid. 
You see, Jesus, though having done absolutely no wrong, was disciplined with whips, getting pierced as if having scorpion tails go through his hands and his feet. You see, the people in this story went back to the palace on the third day, hoping that they would receive some promise, only to realize that they had been betrayed by their earthly king. And we went not to a palace, but to a tomb on the third day and realized that this human was not just a human, but God and the flesh and the promises of God prove true and all of your burdens can be removed if you come to Jesus, family. Jesus is the better Rehoboam. He's the true and beautiful king. And now, because we have this redemption, we can image him in the way that we love on or accept or bless or rebuke or give counsel or receive counsel or honor or sanctify one another. You and I get to be a reflection of the kingdom of God, y'all. We get to begin to play out the kingdom on earth as it will be in heaven. You see, here's the interesting thing in this passage is that the Lord is very clearly trying to speak through community. He does it with the old men and the young men. He does it with all this counsel. But then a part of the text we didn't read is the end of this passage. In verse 22 through 24, all of a sudden this young prophet, this, uh, or I don't know if he's young or not actually, this prophet comes and it's the only time this name is used in the scriptures for him. He's this unnamed prophet, if you will. And ironically, Rehoboam, if you look in verse 24, he listened and that ended up saving his life and it saved the life of many people around him. Now, like I said, we don't know if this guy was young or old. We don't know if Rehoboam knew who this guy was or not. All we know is that he was a man of God that was listening to the words of God and that was giving the word of God and that as that was listened to, it became the salvation of many lives. That as the word of God is listened to and applied, it becomes the salvation of many lives, y'all. No, y'all ain't hear me. As the word of God is listened to and applied, right, Adam? As the word of God is listened to and applied, all of a sudden it becomes the salvation for many lives around us, y'all. As the word of God is present, so is Christ. And as that is applied, so is Jesus. And now we have the Holy Spirit of God inside of us, which means you and I get to be these unnamed heroes in each other's lives, these prophets that come and say, hey, I think this is what God is saying. Hey, I think this is what God is doing. Hey, I think this is what the scriptures say. And as we listen to that, it begins to reconsecrate us. And as we submit ourselves to the word of God, it begins to produce all of this beauty and all of this healing and this redemption. And the fruit of the kingdom is able to be experienced by each of us, family. We need to be these types of people. And even though this man, this prophet, had no platform, as we love one another and as we seek to bless each other in small ways, as we really labor to replant the well, to restore hurt, to re-welcome those who are hurting, to re-bless others, to extend grace or sanctification or to protect, we may go unnamed in the process, but our deeds, they will be written down to be rewarded by God on that great day, family. No word that you use that is from God will ever be in vain. It will fulfill its promise. Even if that is your reward in the kingdom, it's gonna come, y'all. And so is community hard? Yes, all right? Uh, will there be hurt? Yes, there will be. We are not yet the perfect image of Christ. We're going to allow our sin to wound at times, y'all. 
Uh, will there forever be perfection as long as we, no, there's not. But should we continue to fight for this forever, y'all? We should forever fight for it. And I pray that we will be a church that fights for each other through thick and thin, uh, through counsel and wisdom, with depth and love, with forgiveness and grace, with, with exhortation, with, with truth and with love that we would be the gospel for one another. And until the Lord takes us home, let us build the kingdom here, family of God, and let us represent Christ here. Amen? Amen. Hey, I love you guys like crazy. Let's pray. Um, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for not saving us in isolation, for giving us each other, for allowing us to be in and around community. Um, Christ, more than just enjoying one another's company, I believe that true community is meant to point us to you, Jesus, and so help us to become like you, Jesus, and always point each other to you. Christ, you always pointed people to yourself. You pointed people to your Father. You pointed people to your Spirit. You were always pointing to you, the true one. Let us be a people who do the same. God, where healing is needed to be had, I pray that you would bestow that in your beautiful name. Where forgiveness is needed to be offered, would we offer it by the power of the gospel? Where there needs to be restoration, would that build? Where there needs to be a further embracing, would that come? Where there needs to be greater depth because we're really in isolation, would we dive in? Where there needs to be confession, let it be. Where there needs to be repentance, let it be. Where there needs to be whatever it might be for the gospel to flourish, would you allow that to be so that we would see the glimpses of the kingdom here and now? Gotta pray for those who... Uh, may not have a relationship with you. Friends, it takes entering into Christ before you can experience this sort of family. So I want to encourage you to enter in. That Christ, he made a way for us to have relationship with him. That as we believe in him, so you say, Christ, I want to follow you, then he becomes our God and we become his people, not just isolated people, we become a kingdom of priests for one another. You get to enter into the family of God. And you do that as you believe upon Jesus. So I pray today you would choose to believe, to follow him. Christ, I pray for all of us who have made that profession of faith. Christ, I pray you would allow us to fight for community, even when it's hard, to trust your word, to build the kingdom on earth as it will be in heaven. I pray in your beautiful name, Jesus. Amen.